Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me? Hallelujah. We're going to be going to 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57, and I want to preach on this Super Sunday. A sermon that I've been preparing this week in different stages as I've been busy, as as you have as well. It's funny, when you tell someone how busy you are, they always have a story of how busy they are as well. This is not a competition, um, but I've especially fatigued this morning, and I'd ask you to pray for me And as I preach the Word of God. We had a lot of meetings this week. I'm glad that God's a victorious God, because sometimes I need His victory. Amen. So I stand here in His victory this morning, and I want to preach to you about winning is everything. Winning is everything. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if we could go there. Uh, maybe we'll begin at verse 56. How about that, tech team? If you could help us out, back it up to 56. That would be awesome. I just want to say thank you to everyone that's holding down the fort. When I do have to travel, I am very grateful for the wonderful message that Reese preached last Wednesday night. If you didn't get to come, you missed it. Amen. Amen, somebody. All right. Confession was a good lesson. I listened to it personally. Let's go to verse 56. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. How many know we could not live up to the law? Amen. So the next verse says, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse, if you would. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. Everyone say steadfast. Unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So victory, leave that up if you would. Victory that we have in Jesus should make us do these things right here. Number one, be steadfast. Number two, be unmovable. And number three, always be abounding in the work of the Lord. If you have those three things in your life, you're living in the victory of Jesus Christ. Amen? So I want to preach for a little while about winning these three things in your life is everything to you. And it should be everything to me. That we ought to want this in our life. In Jesus' name, Lord, ask you to help us. Touch my body. Let me get out of the way. Move past the veil of flesh and give us the spirit of God in this house. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. If winning isn't everything, then why do we keep score? Why do we have week-long celebrations leading up to football Sunday where they interview everybody and their brother to see what's going to happen and how they're preparing for the game and what they're doing to make sure that they score that winning run. But I, as I was preparing this, I saw that God is more concerned, and I felt in prayer that God is more concerned with giving us his victory than giving us our victory. Amen? 
God is more concerned about helping us find victory in Jesus Christ than he is about helping us get our own victory that we define as victory. Because what God has for, has for victory looks a lot different sometimes than our victory. Amen? And I've found places where I needed God so desperately, I didn't feel very victorious at all. I didn't feel like I was a winner. Amen? But I needed him most at that moment, and I just laid some oil on my forehead, and I just, have you ever needed to pray for yourself? Have you ever had to lay hands on yourself, had faith for yourself, amen? And I just laid my hands on my head, I anointed myself with oil, and I said, Jesus, I need your victory right now in my life. I need you to touch me right now. I need your precious presence to fill this room and fill my heart. And there were times where I felt like as I was living for God, God, that I was doing it better and times where I felt like I wasn't doing so good. And I tell you that my desperate hunger for God was still there. Even when I didn't seem to find the victory I wanted, I still hungered after God. I still wanted his best for my life. And in that I found that if I search out Jesus's victory, no matter what I think it looks like, he will make sure that I am a winner every time. Amen. He will make sure that everything that happens in my life can only be eventually classified as a win. I talked to you about the woman with an issue of blood who planned out her way to Jesus. She had no precedent in the word of God. She had no Bible to look to. She had no man of God to go to and say, this is how you find victory in Jesus. But she knew that Jesus was where she would win over her disease. And so she crawled her way through a crowd she made herself humble. She made herself of no, uh, of no, of, I don't know, I don't even know the word to say. She made herself very humble and came to him crawling through people and got to the hem of his garment. And I tell you this, after she set the precedent of how to find victory in Jesus Christ by touching his clothing, it set a precedent, a precedent all through the rest of the New Testament where people went after little swatches of clothing from Paul the Apostle and they were seeking out getting into a shadow of the man of God because they realized that where Jesus is, victory is. And if we can ever get that really down deep in our heart, if we can ever get a hold of that mentality that wherever Jesus shows up, there's got to be victory. There's got to be a winning take place there. And I promise you that I do not know how God determines whether I'm winning at times and I'm losing because I cannot always see it. But I do know this. When I stand in the end zone, if I could use some references from football today and look back at the way, the plays that he used to get me there, I promise you it was the best route to my winning. Amen? It was the best way to find myself to victory. I would have never made it had it not been for his plan. Hallelujah. And I know that in all the victories that I've had, even when it doesn't look good, I still have a good Savior with me in the bad times. And when it turns out bad, I know he can work it for good. And so I'm still trusting in the plan. See, there are some things you have to understand that even the devil didn't quite get because had he known that Jesus' crucifixion was going to save mankind, he would have never crucified him. So what I like about Jesus is it doesn't matter whether the enemy knows God's plan or not, he cannot stop it. 
no matter what happens to me, no matter where uh, the life tends to take me, if I have Jesus' victory in my life, I end up winning in everything that I do. I end up winning in all things that I have in my life because the fact that the devil just simply cannot stop what God is up to. Even when I feel like God calls an audible in my life and changes direction on me or gives me the power to understand that he's working in a very unique and special way in a situation, I end up coming out of that situation with a greater awe and a greater respect for the way God has used me or the way God has chosen to use a situation to, to bring good to my life. I have value on things that I would have never valued had I not walked through a valley with God in that area. I have precious things in my life who that would have no sincere um, purpose with my life if it had not been for me dealing with the perplexity of a situation in that area. There's nothing like a mandate from heaven to make you win. There's nothing like a word of God to change a situation. And I'm grateful for his playbook. How about you? Since we don't always hear him audibly, we have his love letters written to us in black and white. Amen? This is his playbook. If you ever watch a little bit of football, you'll see that as they're making calls and they're play, calling, they'll hold something up to their lips so that somebody on the other team can't read what they're saying. They can't read their lips. The reason why they, can't, they do that is because if the other team knows what they're doing, they could stop it. But because God is so powerful, he says, I was crucified before the world. I was a lamb slain from the foundations of the world. This is going to be my plan to save all of mankind. And the enemy could not stop it. So I don't care if you have spent time talking to God about what you're struggling with or what you're going through. And I've had people say, oh, don't say it out loud. If you have a temptation or a trouble or a struggle, don't say it out loud because then the devil knows and he'll attack you in that area. I happen to have a little bit more faith than that, that if I do pray to God and ask him to help me in any area, that the devil cannot keep me from being held up by God's almighty hand. Amen? That God has a plan and a playbook that I can go to every time. And I'm grateful for that playbook because there's great word in that playbook. Words like, words like whenever God was talking, he would say, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And I, I have all kinds of references in the scripture about how God finds a way to help us and give us encouragement from his word and his playbook. And I, I don't know about you, but I know that there are things that God has in his playbook that has never been seen before in my life. Amen. There are things that God has done for you and things that God has done for me. And we're like, wow, I've seen that happen before. I've seen God heal cancer before. I've seen God touch leukemia before. I've seen God remove sickle cell anemia from a body. But I tell you what, there are some things that God's going to do in my life that nobody has seen in the playbook yet, but Jesus has specifically designed for me and what God wants to do with my life. That means, brothers and sisters, to you, that you are of great value to God. Because if he has a specific play for me, he's got special plays like up for you and your life. Amen. He's got specific things he wants to do with your life. Hallelujah. Someone say amen. amen. So I'm grateful because I serve a winning God. I serve a winning Savior. And I serve a winning kingdom. Amen. Hallelujah. We heard a little bit of preaching about that this week, didn't we? 
Terry Schock said, we are all kingdom-minded. Which kingdom will you live for? That's the question. We are all kingdom-minded. But I choose to be about a kingdom that's already won everything. Because Jesus' crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection has procured, has purchased me back. Amen? He made a way for me to get back to him. And in doing so, I am a winner, unparalleled, because there's nothing that can keep me from his presence and out of his love. Amen? Somebody. And I'm grateful for a winning season. <laughs> no matter what season I go through, it's always a winning season. Amen. No matter how hard it may be, no matter what the struggle is, people say, hey, he's just going through a season right now, Brother Dean. There's just some things he's struggling with or she's struggling with. There's just, they're just in a rough season. And, and seasons pass. And we try to encourage people with words like that. It's just, it's just a season we're going through. And we're going to get through this. And we try to encourage ourselves saying words like that. But I want you to know no matter what the season is, it's a winning season with Jesus Christ. I'm grateful for that. Amen. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I like keeping score. I like writing down sometimes the victories that God has for me because I can go back and I can look at them. And I want to encourage you today, and it's something that I'll get to a little bit later in the sermon, but I want to encourage you today that you need to have a place of monument, reminding yourself of all the victories that God has given you because as human beings, we forget. We just simply forget what God has done for us. And so there may be big things that you can recall instantly, like God did this, God spared me here, God saved me here. But there are also little moments, little victories, that if you don't write them down, you might forget them. And those victories could be a point of encouragement if you go back and see what God has done. Amen? Because that is a God that we serve. He is a God with a winning record, unparalleled. Nobody notices people with the losing record. Even in NFL, they're like, stop talking about the Bengals and the Browns early on. <laughs> we stop talking about the teams that just haven't got a very good team yet, and we start talking about the champions, the winners, the people that are going to the Super Bowl or maybe going to the Super Bowl. And, and today, I want you to know that God has always made a way for his people and God has always made a way for people who put him first and decide to win with him against all odds amen everyone say that win with him against all odds that has to be our understanding of the God we serve because it was David one giant zero <laughs> it was Daniel one lions zero amen God always uses the underdog it is almost, I mean, even when Israel decided to choose a champion, they chose Saul, head above all the rest, circumcised the eighth day, the stock of Israel. He was concerning the law. He was perfect. In other words, he knew the Torah. He knew the law of God. He understood the things of God. I don't know how he could mess up sacrificing the way he did, waiting for the man of God to come, but he knew he wasn't supposed to be doing that. And so he was a man that was a champion of men. He, he looked kingly. He act, acted kingly but that wasn't God's choice God wanted them to always choose him as their king but he said because you your hearts are hardened you can go ahead and pick a king among your people and so they chose Saul but that was not God's initial God's original plan for them and and in fact it proved itself out that Saul ended up not being the best king but yet there was this little boy named David ruddy little David out in the wilderness keeping sheep and tending sheep 
deep and he had to learn in his loneliness how to find God. When all he had was stinky sheep around him, he had to learn that there is something about my God who will show up when I worship him and give me victory in my mundane, everyday job and life when I'm just going through the normal routines. God is here. God is here and he's a victorious God and he's preparing me for victory even when I don't see it. He's preparing me for my moments of greatest victory even when I don't feel it. And so God, through succession, brought David into the kingdom. But you have to understand that you will never lead anybody someplace where you haven't been. That is why often you see situations in Scripture where men of God were strong in one area, but they were not allowed by God to lead in another area because they had never been there themselves. Look at Moses when he brought the people out of Egypt. What was Moses good at? He was good at winning in the wilderness. He lived 40 years on the backside of a desert. He knew what it was like to live for God and stay faithful to God in hard places. Amen? He was a man of faith, and he led the people of God. But he knew nothing about going into a promised land. He knew nothing about leading people to a place that God had promised and setting up there. So therefore, Moses would stop at a place of struggle and a place of wilderness. And Joshua led the people on in to the promised land. Amen? So you can't lead where you haven't been. Oftentimes God leads us to places of victory built upon where we've been. So if you have been through a lot of struggle in your life, I want you to know that you are a strong person in God because God would not put you in a place where it could destroy you if he was not building you for your next victory. Amen? Your next victory is always built off the previous victory. The Bible says we go from glory to glory, amen? And so we have to realize that even when we celebrate our victories, however small they are, those victories are monuments and trophies to be put in a place where they're prominent in our lives, where we can go back to them and say, look at what God has done. If he gave me victory in this situation, it's building me for a greater victory in my next situation because everything in God is built up not down amen so we have to understand that when we're talking about winning is everything you have to realize that if God ever lets you win in any area of your life, if you ever won a soul to God and you understood the beauty of shedding tears, standing behind somebody who lifts their hands in an altar that used to be just an acquaintance at work, but now God's filling them with the Holy Ghost and you experience the birth mother, the, you experience the midwife situation of bringing someone birth into the kingdom and you feel the power of God in that moment, you have to realize that that win is just one soul that you are supposed to then take and win another and win another and win another because winning is everything, brothers and sisters. And we're not meant to be here just to look good and put on nice clothes and play nice music. We were meant to help others find a winning kingdom because they're searching for a kingdom. Because we all serve a kingdom. And so I want you to know that today I'm not trying to preach a soul winner's message, but I am preaching this. That if we don't have a kingdom mindset, we'll never have a kingdom dominion.
if we don't really realize that God has given us the kingdom for such a time as this to save those that are lost, we will not have the king's dominion because kingdom really means that, king's dominion. So where has the king given you dominion in your life? Where, what, what doors have opened to you in your life? Where, where has there been ministry opportunities to you in your life? Places to help people. Wherever that's at, that could be where your kingdom of dominion could be, where God's going to use you to take dominion and help somebody out. Amen? That could be what God wants to use. So I'm grateful that God uses us in so many different ways. And, and we truly... We truly have to choose our team. It is a choice. They have all kinds of things going on right now for the Super Bowl, things that I don't even want to talk about. But I, I promise you this, that there's a, a greater desire for me to see the life that God gives through everything that he's done. And I know the Packers didn't make it into the Super Bowl. I, I, what are you going to do? I mean, there's different people I talk to that want the Carolina Panthers to win today. There's different people that want the Broncos to win today. Some people are like, ah, I'd like to see Manning get a second ring because his brother Eli is not as good, and he's got two rings, and he's always going to have to live under the shadow of his brother who's not as good as him having two Super Bowl rings, and I'd like to see him at least tie. And There's all these different philosophies out there of why someone should win and why someone shouldn't. And other people are like, hey, have you seen the Carolina Panthers, how they pray before every game? They all go go to the end zone and kneel down and pray. And I'm like, there's people praying on the Broncos. <laughs> you think God has to choose? Oh, the Panthers, they got 10 people praying in the end zone, but the Broncos only have five. They're going to win. <laughs> They're a more spiritual team when you got Cam Newton being a thug, you know? I don't know. It's just, how do you, how do you plug God into professional sports? It's almost impossible to me, but you can plug God into the professional sports player. Amen. You can see God working in someone's life. And I believe that's why I played that video for you because I wanted you to see that even these men who have not, maybe don't even have all the revelation of what God is. They're hungering for his kingdom. Amen. They want more of God in their life and they may not have full revelation, but they're headed in the right direction direction amen and the path we just got done studying about the path determines where you end up and so I'm grateful for every single person who may not have an understanding may have all kinds of things in their life that I couldn't possibly agree with according to what I see in the word of God at my revelation level which is a responsibility for me because I have a revelation level I have to live at that responsibility level but I want you to know that alpha that revelation level I'm not going to look back at them and say well you're just not a winner at all. You just don't have it going on. You don't know enough of the word of God. I'm going to celebrate every win and every personal life that God chooses to use to speak about him. Amen. And if it's a football player today, it's a football player. And if it's a basketball player tomorrow, it's a basketball player. And if it's you on Monday, it's you on Monday. He doesn't care what our titles are. God doesn't care about our professional status. He doesn't care about whether we've gotten to the highest level of our craft, as that one player said. It doesn't matter to God. He can use anybody. And I like his underdog stories. Amen. I like his Cinderella stories. Where there is nothing good by the world standards in something, and he makes it into a diamond. He puts pressure on it, and he 
presses on it and he puts everything on top of it that weighs down and crushes it. And while we're sitting here crushed going, God, why would you put all this weight and all these different things in my life? Suddenly the light opens up and we understand in Revelation that everything that was pressing us was making us stronger. And you can cut anything with a diamond, amen? Because it was so pressure, put under so much pressure that it became the hardest substance on the planet. And I'm thankful that God treats us with a tension in our life where we feel like we can reach for more and that even when we feel weighted down, we know it is for the win that we are struggling for the win. Because I've read the back of the book, Brother Reese. Have you guys read the back of the book? Do you know what happens in the back of the book? We win. So if this sermon is good, if the music's good, if you guys do a good job on Monday, if, you, if you're working good in your job and your boss says, hey, great job on Tuesday, no matter what you do, guess what? At the end, if we stay with Jesus' victory in our life, we win. It's the best three-letter word out there. Amen? It is the best thing God has ever done for us. And so all the memorials that we have, all the things that we live for, are found in victory when they're found in Jesus. And Jesus only needs one Hail Mary. Amen? He doesn't need two or three like the Packers to try to stay in the playoffs. He only needs one Hail Mary. And I I've pulled that reference because I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this because you have to understand that when I'm talking about pressure put on your life, nobody had more pressure on their life than Mary. And I'm wrapping this down, but Look Look at Luke 1, in the verse, whatever verse I gave you, 28, I believe it is. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail Mary! <laughs> that's, that's the only Hail Mary in the Bible. That's the only one that Jesus, Jesus only needed one Hail Mary, okay? He got the job done with one Hail Mary. But what you have to understand is with football, um, there's a lot of references that I chose not to use with football, but one interesting one is that Hail Mary throw where you, you know, the the quarterback doesn't even know if it's going to get caught. All he knows is if this doesn't work, we're going to lose anyways. So he throws it to the end zone near his receivers, and then his receivers, his O-line has to go after it, you know. So he puts it in the vicinity and makes them work to go get the ball. Their talent then kicks in where they have to use their talent to receive what has been thrown to them. Amen? The same thing works in the kingdom of God. Sometimes God knows that you have a victory in store for you, but he'll throw it in your vicinity and say, how bad do you want it? Because sometimes how bad you want it determines how well you will receive that victory. If you don't want it, he's not going to give it to you because there is no passion in you to keep what God's given you. So if God throws it in a general vicinity and all of your talents are invested in his kingdom and all your gifts are given back to God, you will see what he's throwing out coming at you and you will go to receive it. You won't just stand there and say, well, that must have been for somebody else. You won't, you won't do that kind of, you won't even go, you won't even go, you know what, that's for the other receiver. Have you ever seen a Hail Mary pass where there's two or three receivers from one quarter, you know, for instance, the last, the last game by the Packers, and he threw it up, and there was several receivers from the Packers in the same area? 
the person that caught the ball was the person that wanted to catch the ball the worst. And sometimes it's in the vicinity, but sometimes it's a matter of, I'm going to get that ball. It's going to be me. I'm going to go after it. And actually, the, the, second, the first Hail Mary in the Packers season, the guy that caught the ball wasn't even supposed to catch the ball, Steve. I don't know if you guys remember that, but he said, I'm going to go get it. And I want to be that way about God. If God is throwing out victories to people, and he's giving out things to, to people that he wants to share in the kingdom work of the kingdom that's winning, he's going to throw it out. Out to us and there's going to be people in a congregation that say I want that I'm going after that and there's going to be other people in the congregation that said oh that's for pastor oh that's for Nate oh that's for somebody else that's trying to work in the kingdom that's for Reese you know he's the youth pastor he can go receive that one but instead there are people that have no job title they are not called a pastor they're not a Christian worker in the church and they're like wherever he's throwing I'm catching it whatever he's doing I'm going to be there to receive it if God is throwing out miracles, signs, and wonders. I'm going to be there when they show up. I'm going to receive what God has for me. Oh my goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost in here right now. God only needs one Hail Mary in your life to forever change your life. But if you'll be available, if you'll get to the end zone, if you'll be where the Bible wants you, to, where God wants you to be, and where the Word of God tells you to be, I guess that's what I was getting at. God will make sure that you are a winner. Life Spring Green Football will line up with your path and you will receive. Oh, so let me, let me see that real quick. So Paul was talking. I'll get back to Mary in just a minute. Paul was talking, and he said, God will pass things to you according to as he's passed them to me. He said, I receive from God, and I pass them to somebody else. Oh, I'm a bad throw. <laughs> That's why I'm not a quarterback. <laughs> so, but I can catch. So what happens, whenever God is giving you something. He's passing it to you. But he's not just passing it for you. He's passing it for somebody else to receive it from you as well. So he's like, whatever God, Paul's like, whatever God passes to you, you should receive it and you should share it with somebody else out there, not me. Throw it to Steve. You should share it with Steve. And then Steve should share it over here. Yeah, I mean, Tanner. And then Tanner can give it back to me. That's, that's how it works, amen? So you're not just receiving something for you. Kayla, you're receiving something. Good catch. And you share it with Ben. Ben shares it with Tasha or with Reese. Uh, Reese catches it, hands it off to Tasha, does a running play. <laughs> amen, Tasha. <laughs> Betty gets it. Betty throws it back to Pastor. Awesome. Thank you very much. And so that's what happens in the church is when we receive from God, it's not just us receiving. We receive it to share it with each other and to encourage the body because we are all in the same kingdom to win. Amen? And so I finish with Mary and look at this verse, if you would. Mary's like, thou, she's told, thou art highly favored. The Lord, this is the King James words, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Go on to the next verse. I'm going to share with you why when you receive something, it's not just for you, okay? That's, what, that's the point right now I'm trying to get at. This is why we're in a winning kingdom. Because God not only lets you win, but he lets everyone connected to you win off of your win. 
That's how powerful living for God and live in a winning kingdom is. So go to the next word. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Go to the next verse if you would. And when, I'm going to go right down so you can set it up. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. In other words, in another translation, it says she was confused. She's like, I don't even understand why you're here. I don't understand why you have thrown this at me, Tanner. I don't know why I'm supposed to be receiving this because you're saying I'm going to receive the ability to have a child without a man in my life. I'm not even married. I'm a spouse to Joseph who is of the line of King David, but, uh, and he's a good catch. I mean, he's fine. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> I'm just keeping you active. <laughs> so, but he's, you, what you're telling me is going to mess all that up. Because I'm going to be with child without doing it the proper way. And how is that even possible? I'm completely confused. And the angel said unto her, fear not, Mary. The first thing angels usually say to humans is fear not. For thou hast found favor with God or grace with God. Go on to the next verse. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth the son. And shalt call his name Jesus. Everyone say his name. Jesus. And he, go on to the next. He shall be great. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Wow, that's awesome. Go to the next verse. And shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of, and of his kingdom there shall be no what? Oh my goodness. We don't even just have a winning kingdom. We have a forever kingdom. Amen. Amen. So every single little win that you pass on to somebody else is actually sharing with them something eternal. Oh my goodness, that's so good. Go on to the next verse. I'll show you what happens here whenever you receive something from God. Next verse, verse 34. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall it be? this be, seeing I know not a man? She's like, I am a virgin. Go on to the next verse. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Next verse. And then he gives a command. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth. Everyone say cousin. Why are we talking about Elizabeth? We're supposed to be talking about an immaculate conception, Jesus Christ, who's going to save the world, and Mary. All of a sudden, what Mary receives, the angel even tells her, it's for you to pass it on. So then Elizabeth says she has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. Elizabeth is an old woman, her cousin. And she's married to who? Who's, what? Zechariah. You know who Zechariah is? He's of the Aaronic priesthood. And in order for the Aaronic priesthood, the Aaron's priesthood to continue, there has to be children to receive the priesthood or the priesthood would stop with Zechariah. And the problem is Elizabeth has been, oh my goodness, I hope you get this revelation right here because it's so powerful. Elizabeth has been barren, not able to continue the Aaronic priesthood. And so what Jesus coming to Mary means is that Mary said, be it unto me, I receive it. I receive what you're saying, angel Gabriel. I receive it. And then Gabriel says, go to your cousin Elizabeth 
because something's going to happen because she's been barren into her old age. The ironic priesthood could not continue until Mary received the promise of Jesus Christ. So she goes to, to Elizabeth. Go to the next verse. For God has nothing, for, for God nothing shall be impossible. Next verse. If you want to jump down where Elizabeth and Mary are together. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid is, is, she says, Do it unto me as you have said, be it unto you according, be it unto me according. And the angel departed from her. Go to the next verse. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into the city of Judah. Where was she going? Go to the next verse. And entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. She received from God and she ran to her cousin's house. <laughs> she received the pass and she ran to her cousin's house. Do you get the point? Do I need to repeat that one? When, you re when you're a receiver from God, you're supposed to run and carry it somewhere, amen? It's not just for you. You've got to take it somewhere. So she goes to Elizabeth's house. Go on to the next verse. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. I don't know what that means to you, but because, number one, she was labeled with the stigma of barren, and number two, she was six months pregnant. The reason why the Bible writes this is very possible that a lot of theologians believe that they thought she had a stillbirth in her stomach, that she had literally not felt the baby leap as of yet for six months. So even though she was pregnant, there could have been a thought going around that that baby was dead in the womb. And so the priesthood was dead because she could not have a child. But whenever, whenever Elizabeth heard the knock at the door and went and talked with Mary, what Mary received as Jesus Christ, something leaped in Elizabeth's womb. And whether that baby was alive or dead before that, that baby was alive now. And we had John the Baptist, amen? born the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Mary's reception of a miracle produced a miracle in Elizabeth who was barren and possibly carrying a stillbirth and brought forth the ironic priesthood and continued that because Mary was willing to receive. And off of that, the son that Mary bore was announced to the world by the miracle in Elizabeth. Oh my goodness. Do you understand that your miracle, when given to somebody else, will produce, will produce another miracle that will come back to you? So when I pass over to Reese, what I've received from God, while we continue to live life together, there it comes a super Sunday, amen, where we gather in the house of God and we're worshiping God and God does a miracle in Reese's life and he throws it back and I'm encouraged by the winning that's taking place in his life. Amen? I want you to know that had Mary not said yes to the immaculate conception, the ironic priesthood would have died with Elizabeth stillborn. And I don't know for sure if that means a lot to you, but I tell you this, everything hinged upon Mary saying yes to the win. Amen. Would you stand with me? I hope I've encouraged you today and made you realize that even when it looks like it's going to be difficult. Mary, Mary didn't get to plan the wedding. She didn't get to talk with all of her friends. She didn't get to set up the balloons and the caterers and the, and the white runner down the aisle and pick the venue. And 
when the, when the angel told her, you're conceived of by God, everything changed for her. But when she chose to do what God called her to do, when she was willing to be a receiver, God gave her the greatest miracle. Do you think she knew that she was birthing the miracle that not only gave her cousin reassurance that the priesthood's still alive in me, but that also gave her the assurance that because of this one thing, all man can be saved. You don't know the size of your miracle when you choose a winning kingdom, but I'm asking you today, make a choice. Between your ears, it doesn't have to be an emotional choice, but if winning is everything, and this word causes us to win, and Jesus in our life makes us a miracle of winning, then I ask you this today. Why would you want to be on any other team than the team that Jesus has given victory in his kingdom? Would you lift your hands with me and just commit yourself to God right now? Jesus, by your power and by your might, you've done great and mighty things, and some of us have been a part of them. And some of us see them coming down the road in our life. Would you help us not to just receive it, but to pass it on, Lord God? Would you help us to share it with someone around us so that the miracle can be spread and that you can be known of in spirit and in truth and that those that are far from you would find you and those needing born again would find a new birth in you, Jesus. But would you somehow help us to be a winner, a soul winner, Lord God, of, of people that others would have labeled and said they're not able to make it in. But give an open door of utterance to us, Jesus, that we can reach somebody and we can see God bring the kingdom to somebody's heart. In Jesus' name, amen. As they sing, would you just celebrate the Lord for a minute? Would you ask God to remind you and put a trophy in front of you? Maybe you don't have a very big trophy case, but if you only have one, you have a reason to praise him, amen? If you have one victory in your life, that's enough. Let's do that. They're going to sing and let's just worship God. Let's just ask God to put up a memorial in our life that we can look back on and say, hey, that's where we won. And God always keeps the winning going. In Jesus' name.